Cincinnati was incredibly crowded. Outside of New York, we had the most densely populated urban core in the country. Today's episode of Journey with Purpose takes us to Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a city that's famous for its seven hills, unique chili, and the classic sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. But today we're not talking about turkey drops. We'll be exploring a different side of this Midwestern city. I'm your host, Randy Plummel, and joining us is Joshua Junker, a longtime resident of Cincinnati and a passionate advocate for preserving the city's rich history. He's been on a quest to shed light on a painful chapter in the city's past, the demolition of Cincinnati's West End. This predominantly African-American neighborhood was home to 67,000 residents in 1950, but now only houses 6,800 people. As we delve into this crucial yet lesser-known aspect of Cincinnati's past, we'll explore the impact of urban renewal, politics, and the interstate highway on the West End and its residents. Buckle up and get ready for an eye-opening journey into the heart of the Queen City. Cincinnati was incredibly crowded. Outside of New York, we had the most densely populated urban core in the country. What was historically called the West End was anywhere east of Mill Creek, west of Central Parkway and Central Avenue, and then south of Harrison Avenue, and then the Ohio River on the south. It took up about half of the urban basin of Cincinnati, and it grew to be a really prosperous and dense neighborhood. By 1890, it had 84,000 people living in it. Cincinnati, through its history, till around 1835, was growing very slowly. It was the largest city west of the Appalachians, but it wasn't anywhere near prominence. Around the 1840s, West End started developing, and then it was annexed to the city. It wasn't even in the city until the 1840s. Around 1840s through the 1870s, the entire urban basin area of Cincinnati, which includes downtown Pendleton over the Rhine and West End, just exploded in population because so many people were coming to Cincinnati. Both sides of my family has lived here since the mid-1800s. My dad's side has been here since 1870s, and my mom's side has been here since the 1850s. They have been here for a while, and that's how I get to hear all these stories about Cincinnati. I heard stories about how crowded it used to be back then. My Aunt Marie, her mother, told her stories that they didn't have any sanitation or anything. They had to find a pot to do their business in. They would have a one-room apartment for a family of five. At that point, Cincinnati was incredibly crowded. Outside of New York, we had the most densely populated urban core in the country because it was built that way. They had to build where they could because the terrain surrounding was almost impossible to get up to the hilltops very easily. Cincinnati developed really unique compared to other cities because they had only a four or five square mile area to really develop. That's what led to population concentrated in a small area. Then after around the 1880s or 1890s, it started declining a bit in population as people were moving up to the hilltops. The economic prospects with the river is what allowed Cincinnati to grow. What used to be is downtown had a lot of people. Over the Rhine was the most dense part of the urban basin. 
But the West End was the area where if you still wanted to live downtown, be close by, but live in a nice little mansion, that's where you lived at. There's a row on Dayton Street that still exists. It used to be called Millionaire's Row because a, a lot of Cincinnati rich people decided to live there. The Upper West End was pretty well off, but if you go down to the Lower West End, it was like a lower middle class neighborhood. That's, uh, that started changing around the 1870s, 1880s, when a lot of the immigration would mostly go to. Before then, that was over the Rhine. If you're in the West End in the late 19th century, I can't even imagine what the smell would be like in the West End of Cincinnati. Not only did you have a lot of overcrowding because of how dense it was, we also had slaughterhouses, which is how we became known as Porkopolis. We had so much slaughtering of pigs around that time. I believe we were the top meat producer in the United States at that point. So you would smell a lot of byproducts that come with slaughterhouses, not good smells. This all starts to shift a little bit. In 1918, there was an organization founded by progressives called the Better Housing Organization that looked at the conditions of housing in the urban basin of Cincinnati and said, this all needs to change. A lot of them had good intentions, but if you read more and more into it, the more and more you question the validity and the meaning behind their intentions, especially when you consider a lot of them had the policy of, we don't want you moving out to the suburbs. We still want you to live here. Even if someone wanted to move out to the suburbs, they'd be like, no, no, you can't do that. You still have to live here. If you were an African-American coming up from the South as the Great Migration was starting, the only place you could really go to was the West End. You couldn't go anywhere else. They built the first federal housing project in 1937 was Laurel Homes. Here's the interesting thing they don't tell you unless you research into public housing. It was not integrated at all until the late 40s and 50s. Laurel Court wasn't built for the African-Americans that primarily lived in that neighborhood. It was built for whites only. Even though it was in that neighborhood, that housing wasn't available to the Black Cincinnatians that lived there. They eventually built, after that, Lincoln Court, which was an early 40s housing project just south of where Laurel Homes was. From the 30s, it became clear from the city and how they acted that they saw the West End as a slum. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. They don't really do much to repair it. The Better Housing League does some stuff, but they don't really do enough. And again, their intentions weren't entirely crystal good. Post-World War II, if you look at what happened there, the entire urban city of Cincinnati had a 1% vacancy rate in 1950. There was almost nothing for rent or for sale in the city. They desperately needed to build housing, but Cincinnati had been trudging along since around the 30s thinking, oh, we're just going to stagnate a little bit. And all of a sudden, they got this great big amount of people where we went from 450,000 to 500,000 in one decade. And if you look at the statistics of the neighborhoods, all the urban core neighborhoods, which is predominantly where people migrating into Cincinnati first get their start, all those urban neighborhoods had significant growth. The West End grew significantly in population. In the mid-50s, the entire city says, okay, we have the interstates coming through. We just need to combine all these projects and we need to get rid of the neighborhood." because we need an industrial area. The city says we need a huge bond issue, and we're going to create a better neighborhood for West End, 
We're going to destroy the slums so people have better living conditions and so that we can create more jobs in the industrial sector right next to downtown. All the suburbs read through the lines and they voted against it because they knew what the city was going to do. They knew that all the people in the West End are going to be displaced and they're all going to come up into the neighborhoods that we live in. So they voted against it because they saw that as a problem for us. Ironically, it was the West End that got the bond issue to pass in the first place because they overwhelmingly voted for it, which is crazy to think of. But if you look at the campaign and what the mayor was saying and what the city leaders were saying, you would think, okay, they had a plan for relocation. They were going to build a lot of residential units around the West End to give them better living conditions. I can actually have a shower and a tub and everything. I can get a nice job while I'm at it too. That'll be great. That's where a lot of the mentality of West End residents came in. That's why they voted overwhelmingly for it. That bond issue is what started the Kenyan Bar Renewal Project. It runs into some hurdles almost immediately. They were going to destroy about 10,600 housing units. They were going to displace all existing persons that lived in that area, 26,900 people. 97% of that population was black. The city said, we will help them with relocation assistance. We will compensate them for what they're going through. Now, some of the property owners might have gotten them, but the vast majority of those who left in the West End, I'd say 95% of them were all renters. All they got from the city and the federal government was $100 in moving expenses. And that was it. Each family got $100 in moving expenses. That's not what they were sold. Fair Housing Administration looks at it and is like, you have a way too big of an urban renewal plan. You have to split this project up. This is too big. They phased it into each year from 1959 through 65. Over a period of six years, they would tear down all those 10,600 housing units. But if you look at the relocation report that the city did in 1958, the city said, we're going to displace 13,300 families in the next three or four years. We're going to convert some mansions into apartments. There's a lot of vacant land. We have a new tax provision that makes it a lot more developer-friendly to build apartments and stuff. The MHA said they were going to do everything possible to help. There's going to be a lot of construction, so no one really has to worry. But that's not how it ended up. They didn't really have a full plan for, we're going to build a crap ton of housing here. And even the public housing they had, it still wasn't nearly enough for how much public housing demand and need there was from the residents that lived in the Kenyan Bar renewal area. By 1959, they take 3,500 photographs of every single building that exists in the area. Those are now in archives at the Cincinnati Museum Center. They start tearing down everything. By 1958, there had already been a decent amount of clearing from the Richmond Laurel Renewal Project. But it really accelerated from late 1959 into 1960. By 1960, they've cut through what they were going to build 75 through. The existing neighborhood west of 75, as it would have been, still hadn't been torn down yet. By 1961 and 62, that's when they started really speeding up the entire clearing and raising process of the neighborhood. 
The West End in 1950 had 67,522 people. In 1960, it was 41,800. And that was before they had done the vast majority of the raising. By 1961, they had torn down half of the houses in the project area. 5,000 housing units being destroyed in two years is crazy to think of. In 1963, they start trying to get industrial places to move in, and they don't get too many bites. The reason why they made this plan is they based their conversations with industrial magnets and people around Cincinnati saying, hey, if you made an industrial area right by downtown, I might think about relocating there. They based a lot of their Kenyan bar renewal plan was all these businesses are really interested in moving in here. It'll be great. We'll have a lot of investment. We might even attract someone like Ford to build a huge plant there. That would create a lot of jobs. That's not what happened. By 1965, they had torn down the last house in the project area. The area was basically left clear. The city ran into a multitude of problems. They were building some housing in the suburbs, but they weren't building enough of it. The city caused self-induced white flight from a lot of their neighborhoods. Some of the neighborhoods wouldn't have changed so drastically if they wouldn't have torn down 13,000 housing units downtown. That dichotomy really becomes clear in 1967 and 68. We had some race riots. It becomes clear why this happened. They were promised a lot of stuff, and the city fell through on almost every single one of them. 50,000 people were displaced in the West End. West End had 67,000 people in 1950, 21,000 by 1965, and then by 1970, that was 17,000. So it went from 67,000 to 17,000 in a span of 20 years. The West End today has a population of only 6,800 people live there. They tore down Laurel Homes in 2000 to build a huge City West project that was supposed to put single-family homes and townhomes. They had so many issues with the contractor that they tore down Laurel Homes and only half built it back up. They lost more housing units doing that. The West End now is about a crossroads. The Great Recession really impacted the West End. There was two or 300 homes just destroyed. The city had the policy around 2009 that vacant, it's never going to be valuable enough again in the near future to renovate. So we got to tear it down because it's a blight. There hasn't been that much investment. Over the Rhine has gentrified. It still continued to lose population. It's displaced people there, and a lot of them have moved over to the West End. What makes West End a little bit different is they have so much housing that's deed-restricted low income that it would be hard for a developer to come in and say, hey, we want to make this all market rate instead of affordable anymore. But that's about half the neighborhood. The other half isn't like that. And it may be considered affordable housing now, but there's no affordable housing protections to keep it affordable. The West End used to have 120 different restaurants and bars in its neighborhood. It has one or two now. There's no grocery store. There's a couple of corner stores, but there's nothing that's like a grocery store. They have to walk all the way over to downtown to go to the Kroger store downtown. The owner of FC Cincinnati wants to draw in an NBA expansion team. They want to put an arena there is one of the plans they're looking at. Another one would be to build a six or seven story apartment complex there. That would have three to 400 housing units. 
The good thing is they are doing a West End Choice Neighborhoods program through HUD that they're going to build a 500 million renovated housing. You're going to add about 100 net units. So everything that they're tearing down, they're building again. They're not doing like what the old public housing, which was they tear down 10,000 housing units and give you 1,500. Cincinnati's really at a crossroads right now. The West End's at a crossroads. The decisions they make in the next five years will absolutely be what Cincinnati will be in 2050 or not. If we don't right the wrongs we did and the city doesn't acknowledge its past and thinks really visionary of what they want to do, Cincinnati might still grow and everything, but we will not be the city that we could be. Decision makers have to step up. My name is Joshua Junker, and I'm from an inner ring suburb just outside Cincinnati called White Oak. So that's another episode of Journey with Purpose. I want to thank Joshua Junker for his time and his continued advocacy for the people of Cincinnati's West End. You can check him out on Twitter whenever Twitter is actually working, and I'll put his account in the show notes below. Our little engine that creates and sustains this is fueled by money, attention, time, and energy. We thank you for your attention and your time. And we welcome the other two at jwp.news, where you can purchase copies of Journey with Purpose and subscribe to future episodes. When you subscribe, you can look forward to listening to future episodes with a designer who is creating her own practice in India, a designer we spoke with who is working on banknote design, and a historian who is looking back at Chicago and the World's Fair. We want to thank you for your time and attention, and we ask you all to be well. We'll see you soon.